0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders. If you are in the role of the boss right now and you are struggling, it might not hurt you to actually take some time to learn more about being a great boss. You can self-paced learn through our Boss Builder Academy. You could have your company hopefully sponsor you through it, but if not, I think you'd find it very useful, very affordable. We give you the basic skills you need to be a great boss. Check us out at thebossbuilders.com. Our guest today is Ken Schlechter, and we're going to talk to Ken about project management. Now, Ken is an expert in the world of project management. He is a seasoned executive who now helps companies get through projects by giving them a different type of project management skill, very different than what I thought it should be. But he also paints the picture that being able to build rapport with people and do it on a level where you're dealing with a human element is going to make all the difference in the world right now you may be in an organization where you are trying to manage projects virtually and if so you absolutely must tune into this episode listen to ken give you some tips more importantly if you are struggling you absolutely ought to reach out to him ken's a great guy you're going to tell from his accent he is not from texas or tennessee i loved our conversation we're going to have him back in a couple of weeks so let's quit talking about ken let's give ken a chance to talk about himself. You know what to do, buckle up, it's time to hit the road.
1: Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast.
0: Yeah, I think I make mistakes pretty much every hour on the hour. So it's just, it's just kind of how we do it. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's interesting, you you know, that every day is Saturday. I wonder if that's something that we ought to be doing now. Because essentially, like, it seems to me every day is either Monday or Saturday. Yeah. Because they're not that much different, you know?
1: They're not. They're not. There's a lot of graying of the day. Someone someone turned to me the other day and told they thought it was Blur's Day. <laughs> I thought that was very clever.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, unless you have a a routine, you know, like our new routine has been Sunday morning, we get up early and go to Publix and do our shopping because that at that time, most people are not up and around and that's safer. So that's really how we mark a day. And, you know, I'm trying to come into this office every Monday through Friday because I have good Internet and I can work. And, and so Saturday, I've said, let's try to make Saturday like it used to be, where that's where we do yard because, you know, I've got eight acres to mow. Yes, so, you do. Um, that's a, And that's a good um, podcast time too on the Zero Turn Mower. It's about three hours. But, you know, that, that becomes kind of like our routine is, you know, we kind of stick to that. What it looks like three or four months from now, I have no idea. I just, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. We talked about this before, yep. you know, what is it going to be like when we all start to transition back to work and I had a podcast yesterday. I'm going to drop it today with a colleague of mine. And, you know, I think she agrees too that people are going to come back to this probably with some significant emotional issues and they're going to drag it into work with them. And almost, you know, you could not take somebody and put them on a a 30 day fast. And then as soon as they break the fast, you take them over to, you know, Ryan's buffet and say, just have at it. They would die. Right. And I think it's almost going to be the same thing when you've been isolated from other humans for so many months, you can't just say Monday morning, we're back for a full eight hour day. People are going to start clawing each other's eyeballs out, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot, a lot of things. And I think we're going to be talking about that on our our next subject. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I
1: think, I think a
0: lot of, and and
1: I talk, I've been thinking a lot about mental health and emotions because um, that's. I think that's going to be something that people, we can't miss.
0: Well, I think it's another colleague of mine says, you know, empathy is so important, but she says, I think it was going to take more than empathy now because we can all, if we're honest, we can all empathize and say, yeah, I've been isolated too. I can see things from your perspective, but then it's compassion, right? You just now, okay. You know, we've all gone through this major suck fest of quarantine, Um, and so I'm going to give you a little bit more grace than maybe I would have done previously. And I think that's the only way we're going to survive this because people have the lines between home and work have blurred. Um, you're, it's hilarious. So yesterday I come home and I, I told you my son and his girlfriend are staying with us. So he had a, he had another interview. He's already accepted a position, but this is one more. He wants to kick the tires on. So I come walking in the house and he's in my office, my home office interviewing. He walks out. And I look at him, he's got his suit jacket and a shirt and tie on, and he's got a pair of running shorts on and no shoes. <laughs> I thought, wow, you know, <laughs> this is kind of what we've become, right? We've become a, a, a nation of facades, you know, hey, I, I guess what? I'm not wearing any pants right now. So, you know, imagine what that looks like when everybody has to go in and wear pants and, you know, brush their teeth. And if you have hair, you know, comb it and whatever you're going to do, it's going to be, it's going to be a big adjustment, but but what I want to talk about today is is project management, and so, yes. you know, that's I think that's important right now. And, and so, Ken, I want you to share a bit about your background because, again, you obviously know this subject well, and and I want to hear from your perspective how are we going to succeed now with projects? Because certainly things have got to get done. So, tell us about your background.
1: Sure, thanks, Mac. Um, so from a little bit about my background is I've been in financial services for almost 33 years now, which is kind of hard to believe. And I've really been with three companies uh, for the most part. I've been at Morgan Stanley, the private equity shop, the Blackstone Group, and Credit Suisse. I've always felt I have had a very strong fiduciary responsibility for the places I worked. So I didn't really puddle jump, if you will, around to different companies. Uh, and spent anywhere between 8 and 12 years at each of those establishments. And I really, my, my career has kind of gone on a track where I actually started in finance uh, as a controller at Morgan Stanley and in the um, early 90s moved over to project management. And I've really done an array of different projects. I've, I've moved from fintech or in system implementation type work to organizational changes to transformations in the last eight years, I've worked in regulatory compliance, where there's a lot. there was a lot of change there, because the world, and after 2008, um, when the market collapsed, everything became regulatory. Strategic projects kind of went off to the side, and everything was, you need to be compliant. And I worked for an international bank, so there was more than one regulator that you had to do. So I've done that. And on the side, I'm also an adjunct professor in MBA programs at both NYU and Dayton, where I teach... Uh, two separate organizational behavior classes, a principled organization, and also an ethics and sustainability class. And that's what I do. Uh, that's what I do most evenings, and I enjoy doing that. That's a little bit yeah. of my background.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you have a company now. You've started a company where you're doing consulting, right? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I am um, uh, Kenneth Michael Consulting Services was, was born recently. Uh, I consider myself an industry leader in change in compliance management. And I, I'm, what I'm doing right now is really leveraging the 30 years that I have in the industry to since assist organizations through collaboration, team building, facilitation through consensus, and a keen ability to influence without authority. A, a good project manager doesn't have anyone working for them, yet everyone works for you because everyone already has day jobs and you need to pluck away some time for them to work on your project. But I think what what sets me out apart, um, just as instead of just being a project manager, is is that while I don't really just focus on the results and delivery, uh, what I do is I try to treat um, my colleagues and clients with dignity and respect. And I think that's something that um, is more important now in today's society than ever. Uh, And I know the importance of focusing on the human element of change, that I think some firms underappreciate. So really what I do is project management across fintech compliance, regulatory change. uh, And I also um, do a lot of work um, trying to help companies with remote projects. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's I think that's I think I guess it probably always was there in some form, but now it's like the only path. So let me ask you this. What's the difference between a project manager and somebody who just manages projects?
1: That's a really good question. So um, I think a project manager, um, what they need to do is help um, the constituents or the stakeholders and and groups that they're working on really get through the project. Um, I I think that a, a really good project manager checks their ego at the door and makes sure that there's accountability, there's engagement. Uh, senior management is bought in. And I, I kind of look at it as a, a project manager is it's almost like the Wizard of Oz with the man behind the curtain. You know, mm. there's a lot of strings that you kind of pull in trying to get things done, but you still need to make sure that the people were doing the work own it. You know, I do a lot of facilitating around making sure that um, the ideas that we're coming up with were everyone's in the room, not mine. I need them to kind of do that. And I think that's what a project manager does versus just kind of managing a project.
0: Yeah, well, I get that one a lot. I do some work with transitioning military. And it's funny because someone who's in the military, and I, you know, I've done it myself, you, you want to think about how can I find a job as a civilian? So, what have I done in the military that's similar? And I see two things that tend to come out. Uh, what are you going to do when you get out of the army? Well, I'm going to be a project manager. I said, oh, good. Like, you know, how are you going to do it? Well, you know, I manage projects in the army. And I don't know if they understand that there's actually a path for that. And I believe there's a certification for that too, right?
1: Yeah, there's several different certifications um, to, to be, for a project manager. There's PMPs, P, the Project Management Institute and things like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the misconception is I've made things run. I've managed a department so I can be a project manager. But you're saying it's actually a chosen field. Like that's what you're going to do. You're the man behind the curtain kind of pulling the levers And so is this a, I mean, can you go to school to learn this, Ken, or is this something that you morph into?
1: Um, I morphed into it through my career um, because I found that, and you know what, the way I look at it is project management is such a transferable skill set. When I started out in my career, I was in finance, I was a controller. And once I started doing project work, I realized that I had a really good career path because once you can manage a project, it doesn't matter what industry it is. It has the same basic principles around it, um, and, and I remember when we redid our, we added an addition to our house. I applied the project management skills that I was doing at work at home. I still needed a plan. I still needed a budget. I still needed people to do the work. I still needed to track how they were doing. I still needed to help them problem solve uh, when they ran into an issue. And I think that's where a really good project manager comes into play. Is is that the people who are doing the work that you've assigned to deliver the milestones on a project need to know they can go to somebody for assistance. And I think they need to be able to um, not feel bad about it or f- see that as a sign of weakness around uh, where they need help. Is My job is if someone comes into my office with a problem, you know what? There's a whiteboard. Let's Let's put up on the board what the problem is and let's try to figure it out. Something went wrong. Let's not figure out how you know how it went wrong just yet. Let's figure out how we're going to fix the problem, and then we'll talk a little bit about how we can make sure that this doesn't happen again. Can't can't even guarantee that, because you know human nature comes into play. We may make the same mistake, but what controls can we put in place to do that? So I think um, I view I I think after, over the, over the years I've got some credits towards a degree in psychology as well.
0: Because it's yeah, and I would imagine that's probably the most useful part of your job, I guess, is just getting people to I guess work well together and think a little differently,
1: yeah, it is because change is not comfortable for most people. uh I remember I was running a project many years ago when I was at the Blackstone Group, I think we were implementing a new general ledger. And I kept going up to this gentleman saying, um, hey, listen, I've got a, a new report that I think we could produce that instead of you doing it manually for a week, uh, we can do it in two hours. No, 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 Ken. I I like doing it the way I'm doing it. I said, but I'm going to save you a week. Because, you know, and I finally convinced him a little bit. And then I showed him the report, but the report didn't look exactly like the old report but I said the information was still there so I really spent a lot of time with this individual listening understanding their concerns about change and their how they're uncomfortable about change and I think that's another aspect of a good project manager is that active listening part is because people want to be heard and if I'm going to be doing my job differently I want you I want to air to the project manager why I'm not happy and once they kind of unload you could start introducing new ideas and take it from there. And I gradually, we worked around it and we got there. But I think that's it's that patience and listening um, that the project manager needs to do, especially around those change projects.
0: How valuable would a – so I want you to think about, you know, tell me, um, but like the best project manager you ever ran across, how would that change how the nation – we'll just start with the U.S., deals with COVID-19 because it almost sounds like we got like 20 or 30 project managers all kind of stepping on each other's toes now. I mean, could a project manager actually be useful in a crisis like this?
1: You know I do, and I, uh, one of the things that I think about with a project is is I never take a project unless I see that there's what I call a strong governance structure. And by that I mean is who are the senior people who are going to be really ultimately responsible for this and have own accountability and ownership? Are they going to uh, be available? Are they going to fund it? Are they going to be? Are they going to be able to uh, support and help troubleshoot issues? Um, so I think if we had that strong leadership, I think from a project management perspective, a project manager could do a lot of good facilitation with the right people in the room to try to come up with ideas around what a plan would look like and then help execute that plan. Okay, I'm only
0: asking you this because I'm about to nominate you for the job. (laughs) I want to see you on the news every night. Uh, But isn't that when people say we want to have a drug czar or we want to have a whatever czar, is that kind of like what they're looking for is someone who just basically is going to own this problem and completely control it?
1: Well, again, the project manager doesn't necessarily own it, right? The, The project manager is facilitating the solutioning of it. You still need the senior folks to be accountable. And then you need the working group, uh, for lack of a better term, who are working on it for them to feel accountable and engaged to do that. So I, so the way I look at a project manager is if I've got a project plan in front of me and I've got all these milestones and I'm, and I'm working with people to say, okay, I need you guys, you know, we agree that you're going to do A, B, and C. You're going to do it by this date. You know, let me know how it's going. I'm going to meet with you periodically during that time. You know, if you run into any issues, let's problem solve that. You know, I ran out of time. It, would, it ended up being more difficult. Uh, or the solutioning of it is it ended up being the, what we wanted to do. So now we've got to, uh, as a, a good project manager, need to take a step back and think about and work with the team about alternatives. So when you go to that senior people to say, listen, you know what? We wanted to do this, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't pan out. So our alternatives are A, B, and C. We're going to recommend A but you as the governing body have to make the ultimate decision.
0: Okay. So is is it a sign of an effective project manager if you never seem to see them or if i see them every day? Is is there a balance in between because you said you're you just sort of like make sure all of this goes. What's really the best look for a project manager, I, visibility or invisibility?
1: Um i they have to be visible because there has to be enough transparency. There needs to be enough communication that, you know, I always tell people, a good project manager is, if you get, it's kind of a, a, take an elevator ride with me. Let's get on the first floor. Uh, The CEO just stepped onto the elevator with me and I have from the first floor to the 10th floor, he looks at me or he, she looks at me and says, how's it going? I need to be able to be very succinct and very um, precise about how things are going as long as it takes that elevator to go from the first to the 10th floor. So I need to be able to communicate on so many different levels. I need to know enough in the details. So I, I always tell people, don't pull the wool over my eyes. Don't tell me that something couldn't get done. I, I need to be a subject matter expert to a certain extent to be able to un- know that if that's happening. But I also need it to uh, 10, 20, and 30,000 feet be able to articulate what's going on. So I think, I think a project manager that's invisible is probably not being effective enough. But I think there's a fine line between being overly visible, if you will, as opposed to, um, you know, being in their face all the time.
0: So now how has this changed since we're, I guess, most projects and most organizations, unless you work in healthcare or you're in, you know, work at Costco or Kroger's, now everything's shifted to virtual now. So how is the project manager's role going to change with that?
1: Well, you know, it's funny when I was, thinking about where I started. When I first started running projects, everyone was in the same location. You got in a conference room. Everyone who was working on the project was in the same building. And you ran the project. And you were able to walk by the desk, do a drive-by. How is it going? You know, and, and Or if I have a question, I can get up from my chair and walk over. Then I started doing global projects. And I'd be a project manager. And I'd have a group in London in Tokyo and Zurich. And they're all over. But you still, when you had conference calls and video conferencing, you still had groups of people in those conference rooms. So you still had some camaraderie, and you still had, I felt, the accountability because you were all people were still in groups of locations. Now we've moved to all remote. Now you have ten people on the call, ten different locations. Um, this is the most challenging piece of project management. And I think if a project manager can manage everyone being remote, there's not a project they can't manage. This is the, this is like the ultimate challenge for a project manager in my eyes. If you can run a project this way, you can run anything.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess we really don't have a model to follow with this. It seems like it's something that you're going to just sort of figure out as you go. And whoever can do it when this is over with will probably be the thought leaders in the new normal, right?
1: I do, but I, but tell you the truth is there's still some fundamental things that project managers should be doing. They just have to be a little bit more heightened now. So I don't really think the managing of a project changes tremendously. I think it's just doing some things a little differently, but using the same principles.
0: So what are those things? What are a couple of critical things that you're going to really have to pay attention to for this even to succeed in a virtual environment?
1: Okay, good question. So the way I would look at it is there's, I think there's three or four. One is what I would call engagement slash communication. One is accountability. And then the other is senior management focus. So if we started with engagement, so we're on a conference call right now, right? right? Let's assume that we have eight or nine other people and we're trying to have a discussion. How many times do you have a, a discussion that's more than a half hour long and someone says, I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? Mm-hmm. And I get skeptical with that because I don't know if they really didn't hear me or they were reading an email, they were surfing the web, they were talking to somebody else because they were on mute or anything like that. I don't know how engaged they are in that conversation. And I think it happens all of the time. I, I mean, at least once or twice someone says, Can you repeat that question? Um, the other thing is on a communication stand front, you know, I'm. As a project manager, I'm sending out meeting minutes. I'm sending out a list of to-dos that we agreed upon. I'm sending out an email about an issue. Are they really being read? I'm a little skeptical sometimes that people are not really reading it anyway. But if I'm not, if everyone's not remote, I could still walk over to them and talk to them about it. You know that that the the drive-by communication that you have has gone away. So now that you're rel- you're rel- now relying on people being more disciplined. And some people's personality doesn't work that way, you know, even in all the work that they're doing. And that, that kind of leads to accountability is, is that because I don't have anyone looking over my shoulder and I'm now working at home and I have a little bit more latitude, am I being as disciplined as I normally am? I remember about 15, 20 years ago, some st- a staff member came up and said, I'd like to work from home one day a week. And that was like, it was nouveau. It was sort of like no one you know, really did it that, that much. And I really had to think long and hard about that person's personality, about whether or not they would have the discipline to do that. Now that everyone is, not everyone is going to be as disciplined as the most disciplined person. So I think staying on top of their work is a challenge. And then finally, the, the, the last challenge that I see is senior management. They are being pulled everywhere. And the last thing that they're going to want to do is sit in a steering committee or a key senior forum once a month or once a quarter. Um, You need to make sure that with all of this going on, is my project still being funded? Uh, Are you still going to give me resources? I hear that they're they're cutting heads, uh, my project team going. So I think a project manager needs to step back and make sure that senior management's committed because without a strong governance structure, And that commitment from senior management, you're doomed to fail. I've seen very few projects um, get things done despite senior management. Hmm.
0: Well, this sounds like it's going to be a tough, this sounds like a tough battle, even when we're in a normal environment. So when you get in this role, have you ever run across a time where you're like, man, I got no clue what I'm supposed to do next? Have you ever been stumped by something?
1: Oh, all, all the time. That's natural. Look, no no project ever runs as smoothly as you want it to. If you take a project plan on day one, and if it's, let's say, a six-month project, take a look at the edits that you made to the project plan and look in retrospect when the project's done six months later. You have made a lot of adjustments. Things took longer. uh, You couldn't figure something out. Um, someone, a resource got pulled, some funding got pulled. So many things happen that, um, you get stumped all the time. And I, I, I view being stumped on a project as a challenge. You know, that's where I like to. all right, guys, let's get in a room and let's figure this out together. And I, I'm also a big advocate where, uh, and I, it might sound a little, um, over the top, but, um, singularly we're very bright but together we could be brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think there's, if you have, and, you, and a good project manager also recognizes all of the talents on the team and leverages them to the best of their ability. So let's get the right people in the room, problem solve it. I don't have all the answers. In fact, the project manager usually doesn't have most of the answers, but they're getting the right people in the room to get to those answers. And I think that's, that's, that's important.
0: So when you do this, I mean, are there a set of go-to tools or techniques that you use? I mean, I know there's project management, what is it, the Gantt and the PERT and things like that. I mean, what are the go-to tools in the toolbox for you? Um, it's more personal type stuff.
1: Okay. Um, it's, again, making sure that you're active listening, that you are hearing your the people on your project team. Um, it's making sure that you're you're gaining consensus, and I think the the key there is 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 the word consensus. In the classes that I teach at NYU and Dayton, I always ask people, "Please, can you guys tell me what can, you think consensus means?" And someone will say, "Well, it's an agreement." And I said, "No, not entirely. What consensus is is that I'm agreeing to the solution that I can live with. I don't totally agree with it, but I can live with it." And I think there's a lot of flexibility and consensus building that a good project manager needs to do uh, in order to be successful. And I think that is what I would call intangible in your toolbox. Because I think everybody, you know, I think most project managers, I could put a a Gantt chart together, I could put a project plan together, I can put assignments in, I can put dates, um, I could do all of that. And I could... Simply ask for an update from everybody once a week, and you're not going to do well. I think you really have to um, get to um, under the weeds a little bit and work closely with the people, feel that, encourage them, uh, kind of be a bit of a cheerleader, if you will, and, and, and encourage them to be successful and make sure that their senior management knows they're doing a good job.
0: So when would be the best time to call you? So let's just say I am. I've been tasked to um, at this building that I work out of. I, I am tasked to make sure that this is open for normal hours in the next thirty days, and we have to get all these things done. So I've been given this job. So when should I call you? As soon because I'm I'm going to assume right now that I don't have the ability to build consensus, and I basically say get the job done. And don't bring your problems to me. I'm thinking kind of a, what I would have seen or, you know, when I work, kind of the the typical events that are going on. So now I want to do it better. I want to reach out to you. What's that going to look like? When should I make the call?
1: As soon as you have your problem statement.
0: Okay. And as soon as... What what is a problem statement typically? What I would say
1: is what's your objective? What are you trying to achieve? So what, so... Because I tell you the truth, one of the things I'll never forget about, I guess it's about four or five years ago, I was working in compliance at Credit Suisse, and the gentleman I was working for handed me a 100-page document. He slid it across the table, and he said, Ken, this is a regulation that's due in six months. We should have started last year. Um, What do I need to do? And I said, give me two weeks or maybe 10 days. I remember what it was. And I'll get back to you. And what I did is I read it. It was a regulation. It was a UK regulation. I won't go into the details. It was a UK regulation that we had to be compliant uh, in London and and end up having a very big far reach. Um, and I said, okay, you know what? In two weeks, I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to tell you what I think we need. I, you know, At the end of the day, I told him, I says, I need a million and a half dollars. I need this this resource, this, this, and this. Um, if you want to get it done and then I need your commitment to be able to do it. So if you are, have a problem or something that you want to solve or to implement or to be compliant with, uh, or, or an organizational change that you want to do, as soon as you have an idea of what you want to do, that you feel that you've got senior management's buy-in and you have funding for it, you call me up and we start talking about, um, what objective is. Um, I think what you need is you need what I would call a a project initiation document. I want to put a document together that explicitly states what we're trying to accomplish. And I think a good project manager can do that with the right information. And that's going to include what the scope is, what the objective is, what areas of the firm are involved, a funding estimate um, to get going. And then what a project manager will do is saying, okay, if we're signing up, I'm now going to put, put the governance structure together. Who are the senior people that are going to be my sponsors? I need to go meet with them. I need to sit down. I got to make sure that they're committed, that they have the money, the resources, et cetera, and build down from there. Then go across the organization and try to figure out who in the organization is needed for this project an estimate of what their time commitments and then go meet with their bosses to make sure that they commit the time. And you just kind of waterfall that until you get to a plan.
0: Okay. So that's where I'm going to get the max benefit of someone like you then, right?
1: You have that. The other, the other thing that a good project manager will do that I've done in my career is can this project is off the rails. I need you to come in parachute and put it back on track. Hmm. So there's also troubleshooting. So I've been involved in some projects where they weren't going very well. And if you go back to the basics of project management 101, you will usually find something that's not happening in that project. And you could go in, put it on the, the tracks again and pass it back to the project manager. I've just taken projects over from there. So it really depends. But um, you know, because in my career, I've also been a program manager, which is basically a group of projects under you. So you now you have a program manager may have four or five different projects with the project managers under each one, uh, and you're overseeing the whole thing. Um, and usually the projects are related, and that's why it's under a program because there's some codependencies there or there's some integration points there. But um, that's where. Um, a someone could come in and kind of parachute in and try to get it back on track. So there's two different ways. That's a little bit more difficult because there's some unwinding you may have to do. And normally if you parachute into a project because it's going, you're eventually going to deliver bad news to the sponsor, <laughs> right? Cause you're going to say, yeah. you know what? They've been telling you it's going to be due uh, and it's going to be done in six weeks. I could tell you that's not going to (laughs) happen. And I think where companies are right now in this realm of being remote is I think companies are doing a couple of things. One is they have to readjust their budgets, right? They're not making as much money as they they used to. So now they're going to have to decide what projects stay and which projects go. That's number one. Number two is project managers probably don't, I, I think the way I see it is don't have a lot of experience managing remotely. So the projects may come off the rails a little bit and the project manager, no fault of their own, may not realize it or may view it as a weakness of communicating that. So I think in the coming months, um, there's going to be a need for project managers from a remote standpoint to come in to do more of helping projects get fixed than starting new projects. Because if you think about it, we're in the middle of April already, or we're close to, close to May, is companies are not going to probably have the budget to start new things anyway this year, right? They're going to want to just pick and choose what projects are being done now, and what can they fund? What can they wait? Um, and there's that fine line between, okay, I got regulatory stuff that if the regulator doesn't give us a uh, an extension, that's going to have to take precedence. So I think there's a lot of juggling by senior management right now and trying to figure out what projects they get to stay and go right now.
0: Would you see one project as reintegration back into a physical environment from virtual? I mean, would that be considered a... Because I, th- I would think you could make a problem. I, I,
1: I think it would have to be. And I think that's something that companies... And I think it's going to be industry specific. I think different industries are going to have different answers on how to do that. But I do think that companies right now should be thinking about what am I going to look like um, down the road when, when we start opening? I'm going to have some staff who are very used to working remotely and really like it. You're going to have some staff who are like, I hate this. I can't wait to get back in the office. Right. Um, but you're also going to have that balance of um, what do I really, what's my business model going to look like? Do I really want to still pay rent, uh, high New York City rent if I'm in New York? You know, is 85 to 90% efficient? good enough for me that I can maintain this model and fine tune it? And then I think you also have to kind of talk about the emotional and mental health of your staff. And I think you probably have to spend some time bringing in some, some people who are professionals and trying to figure out how, how people are going to adjust to whatever it looks like. I don't think anyone has an answer yet, but I do think that people need to start thinking about what it may look like in the future.
0: Yeah. I think we're going to talk more about that because I'm going to have you back on the show. But so one more question for you, what's, how do you justify it? Because I'm guessing, let's just say, it sounds like the parachute in model is going to be where most people are going to need somebody like you. So what is your response to someone that says, well, we can't really afford a guy like Ken, because I'm pretty sure you don't charge like, what do you charge, like 10 bucks an hour or yeah, something? I,
1: I, I try, you know, my son is making 14 bucks an hour barbecuing uh,
0: at a local place during this place. I, I would, so You I might mean, be charging a bit more I than that. I would at least 15 right. Okay, so, so what is, how would I justify it? Because I'm already um, off the, my budget is probably, you know, completely off. How do you justify bringing in somebody like you then?
1: Well, I think it's really important to figure out if this project is something that I need to get done, as a company, right? And and when you're rebalancing the budget for that, is I think you're going to need to reassess how you're getting it done, um, and try to fit someone like me into that structure of the project because everything. If I don't do that, I'm going to be looking at sunk cost. Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to? Am I going to? So if I'm not going to do that, why am I going to continue with the project? Because should I? spent bleed even more money because I'm, um, or I'll take nine months instead of six months. So there's, there's savings there that I think companies can realize to say, if I bring in someone who could kind of fix this, I'm going to save money in the back end because it's not going to take another nine months. I can probably get it in five months down. So there, there's yeah. the rebalancing. And again, if it's important to the organization to get it done, they'll find
0: funding. Okay. Well, on that note, then how can we call you up and say, Ken, get up in the plane. We need you to parachute in. How do we reach out to okay, you?
1: Okay. So I have a company website. Um,
0: it's it's kmconsulting.llc.
1: Uh, you can go there uh, and I have uh, a little bit of my background there and you can uh, reach me there for a consult or by email. And my email is ken at kmconsulting.llc. So if anybody you know needs some assistance and talk through it. And I think one of the things that I what I would like to offer up to people also is is not necessarily coming in to manage the project, but if you have project managers who you think may be struggling with working remote, I'd be happy, based on with my teaching experience, to coach those project managers in helping them get the project on on back on track. You know, I would be happy to sit down and go through the project artifacts and go through um, how they're managing the project, where the milestones are, and help them reassess it and just provide some guidance. So that's another service that I could provide as well, which may be a more cost-effective way of doing it as well. That
0: sounds great. Well, Ken, I've probably wasted some of your valuable time this morning, but I am grateful for you spending time with us and I think the biggest takeaway for me was clarifying exactly what a project manager is supposed to do. And I just love the idea of that getting that consensus is huge. So Ken, again, thank you so much for being on our well, show this thank, morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever.